Hi. Hello. I'm Julian. And I'm Tom. We are Team Binge. <laughs> and we are here for the Rings of Power Episode 2. The title of this episode is Episode 2. Do they have titles? <laughs> Don't tell me they have titles. <laughs> they do. I think this one was called Adrift. Oh, really? All right. Yeah. Well, at the end of each episode, you're going to start naming the next episode uh, so <laughs> that we can make new ones because that's a running gag for those of you that are never mind it's not going to make any sense for all you new people but for those of us that are still hanging on to the life raft of what is team binge uh, we'll bring that we'll bring that back this one starts off did the first episode have a theme like a title sequence no this is the first time we get the main opening credits here okay why do shows do that because we did North Pasture, West Pasture, Open Range, mm -hmm. no, Outer Range. I think, and they did the same range. thing. There was no weird black hole opening on the first episode, <laughs> but then they brought it in on the second episode. Tom, explain to me why shows do this. They don't do it on the first one; they do it on the second one. I mean, I don't think there's much more to it outside of like they don't want to take the audience out of it and want to just get into the action kind of a deal because they broke. After Galadriel did her big bit, they broke and put the title on the screen, like kind of like a movie kind of a deal, but they didn't go through like any kind of title credits sequence. But I would argue like this credit sequence was dope. Like it was so cool the way they kind of shot this and like I think a lot of like deeper meaning and stuff in it. Because um, have you ever seen anything like this before? I have seen opening credits before. I have not seen opening <laughs> credits where they took a bunch of grains of sand or rice, and then I guess they like put them on the top of a drum and beat them. I don't know. You tell me how it works. I thought it was super cool, but no, I, I did not know what they were doing. But I, I mean, I made note of it, so I enjoyed it. I know that much. <laughs> It was neat. So I feel like I've seen this on like YouTube or America's Got Talent or something. I don't know where, but it's it's a technique called cymatics. So the idea is they put like yeah, grain of sand or something very, very fine on some sort of like speaker. Um, and it just vibrates these fine particles on a flat surface um, that like reflect audio frequencies. So it allows it to actually make like geometrical shapes. So it kind of created the rings. It created trees. It created all sorts of like really cool stuff and like doing like the zoom ins on like the dark sand kind of coming in, which, you know, you assume is like Morgoth from what I read too. This is, there's apparently like dozens of like little Easter eggs in this sequence that kind of tell like the history of middle earth from its creation to the wars, to Morgoth, to the rise of Sauron, the rings. Like there's a lot in this, which I think is, is pretty cool. And um, I've also kind of heard that you'll probably pick up more of these little bits of the opening sequence as the series goes on which is always kind of fun, too, to get little extra bits as as it kind of goes, which we saw in that show, The After Party, another show that we followed on Apple TV, where the opening credits actually did have, you know, clues or hints into the overarching story. So really cool. Right. Yeah, you're like the opening credits guru, as I recall, because <laughs> you came up with that one for The After Party. I can say that this credit sequence does tell you a lot, because they form rings with the grains <laughs> of sand. And I think rings are going to be an important part of this. I don't, I can't tell you how or why. And then <laughs> certainly the music portion of it, if you go into the Silmarillion, the way this whole world is built is from like the main creator god forming mm -hmm. these first beings and then their song creates the world. And that's actually where Morgoth decides to sing his own tune which mm, that's cool i love that deeper meaning goes wrong so yeah no that's cool i did want to point out that howard shore who did the music for the movies and like the main theme for the lord of the rings movies also does the theme for this one but then the music throughout the episodes is done by that bear mccreary who based mm. on his name i think also plays the stranger that falls from space Mm, yeah, he's also a uh, survival enthusiast that takes celebrities out to try to live in the wild for a while and eats a lot of bugs. Oh, that's right. He's got a Netflix show right now where you can choose how you want him to die. My kids love watching it. <laughs> it's Bear grills, and it's like, do you want me to swing on this rope or do you want me to jump off without a parachute? And my kids are like, 
I think the not parachute part's probably going to work out for you. So, my parent or my children have killed Bear Grylls more time than I'd like to say. This episode kind of revolved around four main storylines, which I enjoyed it. I, here's where I'm at on this show, Tom. I'm just going to be upfront about it. A lot of times I find myself watching it and I'm like, oh, did that happen in whatever? Like, do I need to go to Tolkien mm-hmm. Wiki or do I need to, you know, pull a book? I've stopped doing that. I'm just going to accept <laughs> it as a as a show and, like, I don't need it all because I know they have made up parts specifically for this show. They have taken some of Tolkien's work and they've mixed it together. I'm shutting off the part of my brain that needs to know <laughs> what's what. I'm trying to shut the part of my brain off. That's what's what. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it. There's probably going to be times during this discussion where I bring up what's what, but I am I'm doing my best to like stay off my phone or like need to do the research and just like mm-hmm. let's take this show as a fantasy show and is it fun? But this episode was like Galadriel at sea with we meet Halbrand and then there's Nori and Poppy with the stranger. And then there's Arendir and Bronwyn, and then Elrond and Durin. And it's kind of those four wrapped up. Mm-hmm. And so we go in, you know, there's less Galadriel in this one than there surely was in that first episode, which mm-hmm. I could spend a lot of time with Galadriel. She's a cool character. <laughs> but there's some, like, mystery that we are unwrapping here that I'm sure you and I will discuss I'll be up front. I don't know where the show's going in terms of... I know eventually they're going to form some rings, but, like, I mean, we'll get into it here, but who some of these people are and what the ultimate, like, end for them is going to be, I, I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. But maybe that's life. I've, yeah, I very much enjoyed this episode. I Like we kind of talked about, I think there were slow parts in the first and the pilot because you had to set up these characters and get us a reason to feel for them. But I think this one really opened it up and gave some really cool action sequences. Um, There's almost some like horror and thriller elements throughout uh, some of the sequences, which I thought were really cool. Kind of genre flips a bit. Yep. Um, And even the new characters they bring in, especially with the dwarves, like they're just fun. And uh, I was excited to see them on, on screen and the music and more of the amazing CGI and like world building. It's, it's fun. And this, this episode in particular got me more hyped to see where they go from here. Wonderful. Yeah, I think we watched them separately, but I think the fact that they both dropped together was a good was a good play because I think if you watch mm-hmm. these back to back, you get a fuller picture of the show and where it's well, I don't know where it's going, but you get a fuller picture of the <laughs> show when you watch both of them together. So mm-hmm. I can see why they did that, but since you and I try to record these things with pure spirits, we did not watch <laughs> the second episode until after we recorded we start off in the sea, staring at the sky. Everything's going right. Actually, no. We start <laughs> off where Galadriel has jumped off the ship that entered the fireball, and now she's just hanging out in the ocean. <laughs> and then she kind of like, she stares at the water for a little bit, sees, because apparently what, the, the bright lights of Valinor just kind of closed on her, so now she's just in the middle of the ocean. Yep. And then she kind of turns around and starts swimming. I immediately got the thought like, all right, so the rest of this season, Galadriel is just going to be swimming. That's it. it. It's, it's a bottle <laughs> episode of Galadriel in the ocean. It's open waters, that movie none of us saw. It's the reef with Ryan Reynolds' wife. It's the perfect storm. It's Master and Commander, Farsan. I'm running out of sea-related uh, media. My wife had the same comment. She's like, she's got a really far uh, way to go in terms of swimming. But elves are very, um, well, not Elrond, but elves uh, are endurance. Uh, so we cut from there to Nori and Nori and the man from space. We get this really cool sequence where he's like surrounded by fire she falls into it she's like oh it's not hot and this has come up before where they're in the evil place up north galadriel and her mutineers and they're like oh Mm -hmm. there's no warmth coming off these flames do you feel like those are related do you think these are easter eggs do you think we're trying to solve this mystery is the man from space evil or what are your thoughts tom you have the floor 
So the interesting thing about this is I don't know enough of the lore, nor do maybe you do, um, but my assumption is this is either Gandalf or uh, Saruman. Um, okay. A wizard that fell from the sky. I don't know what Sauron's origins are, but I'm pretty sure Gandalf did like come to Earth and have to you know be here to stop the evil that is Sauron. But like this almost makes me think maybe it's Sauron if they're doing some of the bits about like there's no warmth around this fire. We know that's kind of related to like the evilness, and could it be the impending Sauron kind of flip? But okay. that's a long way ahead. I don't know if that's that's digging too much. Okay. Yeah, the only lore I know is that fire should be hot. That's the only lore I can provide <laughs> in this situation. There's this cool moment where we'll just call him the man from space, draws in all the fire, and it like disappears, mm. and then he collapses, and it like all catches fire again. I thought that was... Once again, the show for a billion dollars looks great. Looks great. <laughs> there was only one part that I got taken out of, and I'll mention it when we get to it, but... Um, yeah. Everything else looks great. You'll probably be able to guess that moment. But we also get <laughs> quite a bit of Poppy. She seems to be the sidekick of Nori, I guess. Yeah, I feel like she's like the Samwise to her Frodo, if you will. So kind of like the voice of reason or there to be able to kind of help help Nori on her journey because Nori is definitely the the heart of the, the uh, I was going to call them hobbits. and not hobbits, right? there. Harfoots. Harfoots, there you go. So he's kind of the heart of the Harfoots, and, and you know, Poppy kind of wants to turn the other way and leave the stranger here, but uh, Nori's not having it. She knows she has to, to do something. Sure. There's a little bit of comedy here where we have um, Sadek. He's, like, talking to the people, and then he, like, turns one way because he hears a noise, and then he turns the other, <laughs> and you're seeing, like, Nori and Poppy stealing things in the background. And then we've got the stranger in a wheelbarrow, and my favorite line was Nori going, that's tomorrow's problem, which is how I like to live my life. That's future Julian's problem. And I appreciated Nora's, Nori's philosophy. And we do get this interesting conversation with Poppy and Nori where Nori's like this. I feel like I was destined to run mm-hmm. into this person, to help this person. The, the type of person that is, like, always looking for adventure will maybe glob onto this being like, hey, this is my purpose. <laughs> so you get, to, you get to see more of Nori, which is, she's an interesting character, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like it. It was funny, too, in that they, they panned to the camera and, like, the camera's close to the wheelbarrow and you can see them, like, face-to-face having that argument back and forth. I'm like, oh, that wheelbarrow's going down that hill. Oh, like, that's the yeah. knew it was going to happen. <laughs> yeah. It's like, all right, that wheelbarrow's going. <laughs> And sure enough, it did. It was great. We cut to Bronwyn and Arendir. They are at that town that was on fire. I'm assuming uh, Burning Man fell into that town as well. Uh, But instead of lying there naked, uh, there are now tunnels under the houses. And there's no bodies. So not real sure what's happening there, but they uh, are trying to figure it out. And I guess this is where Arendir is like, I'm going and... He's like, Bronwyn, go get help. And she's Mm -hmm. like, but wait. And then he jumps into the tunnel. And (laughs) he didn't land very gracefully. I thought we'd get like a cool elf moment, but he kind of landed. I don't know. I don't know how fleet-footed Aaron Deere is. but I guess we'll find out. We haven't really seen him fight quite yet, but I'm sure it's coming. That's true. We then cut to this beautiful scene. And I'm not going to pronounce this city right, but it's like... Arian, Ergian, E region, E region is how my brain reads it, and this is the city of the Elfsmiths. So all the dudes that hammer metal into cool-looking things all live here in one town. Makes you wonder. I mean, like if you put all the tradesmen for one trade in one town, does that make all their work like really cheap? Does it drive up prices? <laughs> like, I guess from an economic standpoint, does it make... Like, you'd think they'd want to move from the town so that, like, their work is worth more, you know? You'd, you, you'd, it's better to be the one blacksmith in a town than a town full of blacksmiths, right? Right? Am I, am I speaking the truth Listen, here? Listen, they don't... They do it for the beauty, man. They don't do it for the money. This is different. This is a different culture. All right, well, capitalist elves. I wish I was an elf smith. I would move from E region. I would go to a different town 
and I would up the price on all my work because I was the only blacksmith in town. And I'd become yeah, rich. So like F region or G region. Yeah, I'd, totally I'd live that. in G region, and I would <laughs> get a bunch of money because I'd be the only blacksmith there, and then I'd go back, and I'd buy E region, and then I'd <laughs> burn it to the ground. <laughs> Whew. Sorry, I got dark. Um, I don't want to pronounce this character's name. Kelebrabor? Kelbrimbor. Selbrimbor. It's Celebr- not Sel. I think it, it's Kel. It's Kel. It's with a, it's with a K. <laughs> Okay. Let's spell the C. It's a C E, man. It's a hard K. Kelebrimbor. And Elrond are talking. They have this cool uh, Fainer's hammer, which is the hammer that built the Silmarillion. Uh, or the Silum I don't know what the plural of Silmarillion is. What what is a Silmarillion? I know it's the book, but what is it an actual thing? It's an object? Yes, he created these essentially these jewels that captured the light of those trees. And so mm-hmm. at one point when those trees are smited, the only light of them is in the Silmarillion, and that's why they become such like a coveted thing. Mm, okay. I also looked at his hammer and thought, man, I can't wait until Cold Steel has that hammer in the catalog because <laughs> I'm certainly going to buy that hammer. That way... I'm pretty what- sure... Go ahead. I'm pretty sure I just retweeted something from one of their um, kind of fan accounts of the uh, Rings of Power talking about how much they want to buy both the dagger and now this hammer. So it's there's, there's definitely some uh, fan love for it out there. So we'll keep an eye out. All I want is to be halfway up a ladder have two nails in my in my teeth and yell at my kid, get me the hammer. No, not that hammer. Get me Feyner's hammer and have him do that as I'm trying to hang, I don't know, like a wall mirror or something. Actually, I would use the uh, drywall screws and anchors for that, but uh, never mind. That's beside the point. I wonder if one of these guys will have like an electric drill. I wonder if they'll be like, I know, Fingendorf's electric drill. That'd be pretty cool. Elrond looks like Neil Patrick Harris to me. Do you get this vibe at all? Does he look like I, Neil Patrick Harris? I see what you're getting at, but I don't I don't see it constantly. I, I see it because you said it, but I wouldn't have seen it otherwise. Okay, it's all I see, and <laughs> having watched like one or two episodes of that one sitcom he was on where he's like the bro... And Barney, he's Barney. I, I don't know. Yeah. Elrond, this actor's great. All the actors and actresses in this show are wonderful, but there's something about Elrond looking like Neil Patrick Harris that sometimes I'm just like, are you going to sing and dance yet? Like, when do we get that musical number? <laughs> but we do not. Celebrimbor. What was that show called? Uh, what was that How show I Met Your Mother. On? How I Met Your Mother. Oh. Doogie Howser. Forget Your Mother. No, not Forget Your Mother. <laughs> Be a short, short show. Um, Celebrimbor explains to Elrond that he wants to devise something of real power. All the things he's 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 created so far are just superficial. He wants to devise something of real power, and he's like, in order to do that, I'm going to need some grant money from the government in order to build this tower, <laughs> uh, in which I can have a forge that gets as hot as a dragon's tongue, and. <gasps> I got a lot of questions about the science in this, uh, in the, like, that's not like a temperature on the, I don't know, Celsius or the Fahrenheit scale. So Tom, what is the, what is the translation of, of Celsius or Fahrenheit to dragon tongue? Do you know what that? One one hundredth of a penny. One hundredth of a penny. It's like a shroot buck, I guess. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, we know dragons exist in this world, right? Because we got them in The Hobbit. I don't know how readily available they are. But yeah, they say it's like a mix of a dragon and a star or something or other. But like they make mention and they show these drawings of this grand tower is, are we supposed to know as like from my perspective as a layman, is it supposed to be like Saruman's tower? Or it's not Saruman, but Sauron's tower or anything? I don't or no? think so. It, no, I don't think it's Saruman's tower. I don't know if it's Sauron's either. I, I was, I, I felt the same way. When he shows the drawing, I suppose I was supposed to be like, oh, oh no, don't build that. But in my <laughs> mind, I was like, oh, that just kind of looks like a tower and you can't build a tower on your own? I don't know. It. it anyways, this leads us to... 
Elrond's like, have you thought about not being a racist and going outside of the elves in order to get a workforce <laughs> to build this forge? Mm-hmm. And this is where it leads us to the alliance with the dwarves. And so mm-hmm. Elrond and Celebrimbor quickly walk from E-Region <laughs> over to Khazad-Doom region, and the door with the impressive... I don't know what's it called where you have a area where you can like question who's what's that called? Uh, uh, oh, on a little sliding door, trap door thingy where you yeah, we'll call it a I don't peep, know what's called. a peephole. Is it a peephole? <laughs> there you go. Sure. I don't think you can say now, peephole is, anymore. <laughs> this so Casa Doom, right? This is Moria, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. So like, and I think David made mention of it later when they talk about like oh, we use the echoes of the thing to know where to mine and when to mine and when to stop mining, which is, I think, kind of a cool little Easter egg for those that know that they did mine a little bit too far later on, a little bringing bit too out deep. one Balrog. Oh, you're talking yeah. about the method known as Resonate? Oh, the, the well-known um, mining method <laughs> known as Resonate that uh, the princess yeah. talks about? Mm-hmm. We've got a buddy in mining. I'm going to ask him about Resonating, if that's how they <laughs> find copper. I'm sure he'll punch me in the mouth, but that's okay. <laughs> yes, this is Casa Doom, which I do appreciate anytime someone says Casa, someone else has to say Doom, uh, which Doom. is a fun way of greeting people. But yeah, it is <laughs> it is Moria. Uh, the dwarves at the door are not impressed with Elrond at mm-hmm. all, which, I don't know. They did Elrond kind of dirty here right i mean he seems like a pleasant enough fellow they were friends and all of a sudden he's getting the cold shoulder at the at the friend door i don't know it was a little bit yeah i don't what is the we know elves and humans don't get along very well is the is elves and dwarves not get along yeah there's just more of a personal slight because of the time frame of being immortal no it's as a people, the dwarves and the elves don't get along either. They just value okay. different things. And, like, the dwarves are stone and kind of greedy, and they gather treasures, mm-hmm. whereas elves are, you know, forest, trees, those kind of things. So, yeah, <laughs> it uh, they don't get along. But in order to get through that door, Elrond evokes the right of Sigin Tarog, which is apparently some sort of endurance test. Yeah, it seems more like a pissing contest to me, but, you know, we'll see. No, no, we witnessed that in the after party between, uh, what was the character's name that Dave Franco played? What, how am I not remembering it? It's Ike Barinholtz and Dave Franco have a literal one. Go watch Xavier. Yeah, ex-Xavier. Go watch the after party if you haven't. It's a good time. <laughs> But don't leave us quite yet. You got to at least get to the part where Tom reads about the uh, boat, <laughs> the boat parts that you have to buy, so your boat doesn't move. <laughs> the dwarf city's pretty cool. I liked it. We open. Oh, he's walking cool. around. I like the waterfalls. I like the trees. Once again, for a billion dollars, everything looks really good. <laughs> They do the cool thing where they had all like the lights kind of coming into where like, okay, they're in a cave or in the middle of a mountain. How are they getting any light in there? But they kind of show it like with mirrors and everything kind of lighting the different areas where they're like growing stuff and doing their, their beard trimmings uh, as they were getting that sure. sort of barber, which I thought was funny. Sure. Uh, but yeah, really cool, cool sequence and setup. Have you seen that mirror trick before? Did that spark any, any uh, memories of yours? Yeah, like any Legend of Zelda game I've ever played. <laughs> you got to move the mirrors to make the uh, to solve that puzzle. Nope, I not ringing any bells. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Sounds like cool. It's from the Mummy. In the Mummy, they they have that moment <laughs> where she brushes off the mirrors. And anyways, that movie's great. Mm. <laughs> Long live Brendan Fraser on that movie and Scrubs. Anyways, we meet Prince Durin. <laughs> And they don't seem to be friends. They don't seem to be no. friends at all. And Elrond goes into this thinking he's going to have like a ticker tape parade and it's going to be all great. But immediately Prince Durin is, is not having any of it. And at this point, we don't know why, but we soon kind of figure it out. Uh, but I love like Prince Durin's entrance. It's just so cool. Like everybody, like he says the Khazad, they all say doom. 
You've got everybody cheering for him. I love his like just general look and demeanor. They've got this massive beard. And I think if you even, I, I, I caught this like right away, but I thought it was such a cool little touch where he has literally his beard like tucked into a belt loop. He's got like something on his belt that they can like tuck his beard in. So that way his beard isn't like flopping around huh. everywhere, which I thought was just a cool, yeah, just a cool idea. Like the practicality of a super long beard like that isn't great for probably hammering stuff. So be able to tuck it into your belt is, is cool. Sure. Sure. No, I, I, he looks super cool. All this stuff was fun. I just feel like dwarves would be cool to hang out with. Like, I gotta be honest, I'm not really an elf guy. If I had to choose, I'd probably go hang out with the elves. Um, they all had cups of water. They all seemed well hydrated. Uh, they were there to cheer on a sporting event, which is the Sigin Tarog. Man, I love the names. Where you either win or you get banished. I do like the point where Elrond's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah I get banished. I got it. I heard it. I heard it the yeah. first time." <laughs> I didn't really understand the competition because it was like, "Oh, whoever gives up first or but was it rock for rock? Did they have to break it in one swing? I really thought like Elrond being like the politician or almost like a uh, Odysseus, kind of like the the clever one, <laughs> that he was going to do something here to like get around the rules of the game. I didn't think he was tr- going to going to try and go one for one. And I was mm-hmm. I was ready to laugh when he just like started tapping the rock like really slowly, and he's just be like, "Listen, erosion in time and these small taps. Eventually, this rock will break." Like he wasn't giving up, but he I, I don't know. I di- I didn't understand the rules. Would I watch this on? ESPN Ocho, like probably, you know, seems like a good time, but I don't know. Did you understand the game? Did you understand the, uh, was there a time limit? I I didn't understand. Yeah. I mean, it's to me, it was a drinking contest kind of a thing, but just made to be like more dwarvian where they just got to break rocks. Um, but yeah, it was kind of like the idea that Elrond thought he could come in here and win in this test, I think was silly. And I think he realizes that as he starts to kind of wear down, like, I'm not going to win this. Uh, I can't do this with wits. I think it was just an excuse to get in the door sure. and have a conversation with, sure. with Durin. And it probably helps Prince Durin win a competition like that against an elf because yeah. they don't like elves. Mm-hmm. So it's good for him. <laughs> We cut from there. We're Nori and the Stranger. The Stranger's made a lot of weird markings, and there's some snail eating, some name learning. <laughs> we find out that the Stranger's name is Nori, uh, which I thought it was uh, coincidental that her name is Nori, his name is Nori. <laughs> and I really do enjoy the actress that plays Nori. I don't know that I've seen her in anything else. Uh, but she plays that. It's going to be one of those things where if she ever does play something else, I'm not going to not see her as Nori, I guess. Yeah. I don't know if that's a bad thing, but she she's <laughs> she's quite quite good in that role. Oh, yeah, she does. Like, she plays it very well, and she's, like, kind of the innocence of the Harfoots and, like, the kind of optimism and sense of adventure is really cool. I love her character design as well. I think we mentioned it a little bit in the first episode, but, like, the twigs and, and, and the kind of, like, nuts hanging from the hair and the clothing, it's all just, like, super, super cool and, like, does, does, does such a cool job of, like, setting up the nomadic kind of tribe of people that the Harfoots are. Sure, and how they blend in with, you know, them being a smaller and statue people, they blend in and they mm-hmm. use like all of nature to blend in. There's some stuff happening in the background where the Harfoot village is, I guess, getting ready for a festival. And the stranger, let's talk about the stranger here for a second. The stranger to me is a combination of Daniel Plainview and like Jim Caviezel at different points, really when Jim Caviezel was playing Jesus in that one movie. <laughs> But if you had given the stranger a bowling pin, I would have been concerned for everyone else in the scene because he reminded me of Daniel Plainview, which I believe is the character in There Will Be Blood. I don't know if I know Daniel Daniel Plainview. Daniel Day-Lewis. Daniel Day-Lewis in There Will Be Blood. No? Not ring any bells? Is that his character? That's his character. Is Daniel Plainview his character name? Okay. Okay. Sorry. Flying over my head. I saw it once. It was like... 18 hours long, and he drank a milkshake or something. I don't know. Tom, 
Tom. Tom. Did you just besmirch There Will Be Blood? Did you just dismiss it as a movie you've seen once and never thought about again? All right. Sure did. Guess what we're doing during the middle middle season of the Rings of Power when they go on hiatus. We're watching There Will Be Blood four times. We're going to pot about it four different times. To, to one or two other people, that reference will make sense. But he keeps saying uh, Mana Yuri. Mana Yuri. And I looked it up on the internet because I don't speak whatever language this is. And it's like translated to like, what is fire? Um, Hmm. And you get this weird like manic moment where he's scratching all these things and uh, he's like dragging the stick. And when the stick snaps, so does the ankle of Nori's dad. It snaps as well. Um, I watched that scene over and over again. I just really (laughs) like like a football game where we lose a femur. I just hit it on repeat. I couldn't understand what was happening. Did you have any idea what was going on in this? Oh, I don't know. I think it, yeah, it's just the general idea is that he can't speak the language. He's trying to get some, you know, super important thing across to Nori and can't. But like the cutback to the dad, because this is Nori's dad, correct? That is, yes. From what yeah. I understand, yes. And like him kind of snapping his ankle. Like they kind of sort of blame Nori-ish a little bit later, which I think is kind of silly. Like, yeah, she's off doing her thing. She's not there to potentially help, but... It's not her fault that this thing fell and you didn't have anybody else helping you out. There was other people in that village. Right. No, no, no. It's not her fault. It's the stranger's fault because he snapped that stick and snapped that ankle. So. Oh, I never put that together. Is that what you think happened? Like oh, he you controlled that? Uh, I thought it was just separate and coincidental. Uh, what? Uh, <laughs> Did I break you? No, I'm just a little bit. Well, now I'm wondering. Like, it's a really <laughs> weird thing to like. I guess have is a coincidence. Like he snaps the stick, the ankle snaps. There's no, there's got to be a correlation, right? It's like in the other scene oh. where Nori's doing the puppet show of the sea creature and then they cut to Galadriel <laughs> fighting the sea creature. Like, I mean, clearly Nori commands the sea creature with her puppet hand. I don't know. I thought there was correlation. <laughs> now you're making me question everything. Um, it, no, it's a, it's a fair point. I I just thought of it as more of like like the noise and effect of him like frantically writing the the snap of the twig, the snap of his thing. I didn't necessarily correlate them together, but I like it. I think it's a good it's a good theory. We'll we'll pin it. We love putting pins and stuff. <laughs> yeah, let's pin it. I mean, I guess this is my time to point out that the lore of Sauron, it's Sauron the ankle snapper, which his one <laughs> magic power when he was a young wizard is he could snap anyone's ankle as long as there was a stick around. So, and Gandalf was the wrist snapper. So, um, but he didn't snap people's wrists. He just, he just did that. Like, you know, when he made a point, he would, anyways. The big issue is, can he migrate? Which (laughs) I felt was a little bit of a, um, uncaring question uh, after they watched his ankle turn around backwards uh, that they're like hey can he move no he cannot so he didn't know it could have been a sprain but yeah seeing the aftermath this thing is black and blue it when we eventually see it my thought it immediately was like okay the wizard's gonna come and heal it and that's how we're gonna know that he's like a wizard or something right no, why would you snap point, it and then he heal did, it <laughs> well maybe he did snap it and then he feels bad and then heals it yeah, I don't know. Um, I just know that old people are fragile. Uh, <laughs> we did the last podcast while I was on vacation with my folks, and we were trying to take a family photo, and my dad like stepped on a root and was just bleeding profusely. I thought we were going to lose him right then and there. Uh, so we have these cool family photos where he's like holding his foot up, and there's just... It's pretty bloody. Anyways, maybe... Maybe somewhere a wizard poked something, and that's what happened to my dad's foot. Now I don't know what's right and wrong. <laughs> Is I your dad do... okay? Uh, I don't want to talk about it. Um, <laughs> then we're back in Still the sea. <laughs> He's not going to listen. It doesn't matter. We're back at the sea. Galadriel finds another wreck floating. 
Some people are on it. They seem nice. They're immediately like, oh, she's cool. Let's bring her on. They give her some water. Actually, they're kind of jerks, but I get their point. (laughs) You're floating around in the ocean. You don't need another mouth to feed. They find out she's an elf. You see, once again, they're human. She's elf. They don't get along. There's apparently a sea worm that attacked their ship, and then that sea worm (laughs) shows up. And all I could think about during this scene is everyone should watch the first 30 minutes of the Netflix animated film Sea Beast. It's pretty awesome. (laughs) Just the first 30 minutes. Yeah. Okay. Not to break ranks here, but the first 30 is like, do you remember like how cool the action sequences were for like Pirates of the Caribbean when you first watched that movie? Like all the Mm -hmm. kind of like aerobatic stuff and... You know, like him walking on the ship as it's sinking and all these cool things that happen. Mm-hmm. That animated movie has like a lot of cool stuff like that. And then it takes a turn and it becomes less fun. But anyways, <laughs> okay. first 30 minutes of Sea Beast. Leave us right now. Go watch it on Netflix and then come back and we'll spend the rest of the episode talking about it. That worm. We'll wait. Yes, please. And we're back. That sea worm Rex <laughs> shop. Uh, Halbrand, very smartly, he's like... I didn't know what he was doing at first. I was like, what's he doing? But he separates his raft from the other raft. Like, peace out. <laughs> He's a survivor. Guy knows how to survive. But this was a cool sequence. Like, the way they shot this, like, a lot of movies would keep you on the raft and would, like, show you this CGI worm, like, throwing people. But mm-hmm. instead, what they do is they focus on Galadriel swimming away. And then in the background, you see, like, the things happening. I don't know. I thought it was a cool. I I I, I liked how cool it looked. Yeah, I liked it too. And it, it, like seeing the trailer, I think we had like a moment where she was like underwater in duress. So I think you kind of knew something was going to happen. It made me think too when she first gets off. It's like she's going to use her dagger to kill this monster of the ocean. I'm like, they shouldn't do that. Like that's just silly. And Gladriel doesn't. I mean, she's a warrior, but she doesn't need to just kill everything that she sees. So I'm appreciative that they didn't do that and ultimately just hops on uh, Captain Handsome's raft. Yeah, his Halbrand is elvish for handsome driftwood. That's what his name means. (laughs) He picks her up. They get on their little raft together. And, you know, I got to be honest, I'd spend the next 45 minutes just seeing how this relationship develops on that raft because (laughs) uh, they're two very beautiful people just hanging out. If I may, it was... It, may, it reminded me of a very Sam and Diane type situation. Very, very Sam and <laughs> Diane. Yes. Yeah, I mean, Diane being that warrior uh, elf and uh, <laughs> Sam. Yep, the, that all makes sense to me. I do understand the reference. We cut from Sam and Diane to the stone breaking. <laughs> there is a lack of eye protection that's happening during this <laughs> scene that I find appalling. <laughs> I mean, there's shards of rock gotta be flying everywhere. No one in the crowd's wearing eye protection. The two people participating aren't wearing eye protection. <laughs> uh, someone's gonna get a rock in the eye. And mm-hmm. I think that's el- what Elrond realizes because he um, he yields. He yields. He yields after breaking an axe, which, I mean, is he paying for this? It seemed like a pretty ornate axe. Uh, But they give him another one immediately. So I guess breaking your axe does not take you out of the competition. You can still keep going if you want. Um, But yeah, he he should pay for it. Yeah, I did not understand the rules. I think at one point he looks (laughs) down at the axe and he's like reading the runes. And I was like, are we supposed to, like, are we supposed to know what those mean? And then part of me was like, oh, he's trying to see if it's a brand name axe or if it's a Celebron, uh, Celebromir Rion axe. And he's like, oh, it's clearly not, you know. And so um, he just knew he was dealing with lesser um, stone breaking material. Yeah, it's like a Kirkland signature axe. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's been, it's been private labeled. For one of the big, from one of the big box stores. That's exactly right. Uh, Durin's like, you lose. And Elrond's like, well, would you like to walk me out? And there's a really awkward elevator ride. Um, once again, no like guardrails or anything. Anyone on that elevator could just step off into the great abyss and meet their maker. 
we find out that the reason Durin is like passively aggressive, maybe it's not even passive, but aggressively mean <laughs> to Elrond. Aggressively aggressive? <laughs> yes. Is that there's been a 20-year absence and Durin's offended. And there's this funny moment where Elrond's like, it's only been 20 years because for him, he's immortal. And mm-hmm. this is one of the issues with having uh, immortal friends. I would like to point out, and this is just some general advice to the audience. If you got a friend out there that you like that you haven't talked to in a while, go pick up the phone, send him a text, give him a call. <laughs> They're probably interested in hearing from you. Uh, it's amazing how uh, people can get offended by silence where it is really not that hard to just pick up the phone and, and call. Or Actually, in this day and age, just send a text message um, or... Uh, forward them one of those like promotion emails that you get just let them know you're just let them know you're thinking about them unless so. you hate them then call them and leave a voicemail that's fair that'll that's let you know you fair. <laughs> we find out that Elron missed the wedding missed the birth of two children and durin is very upset about this which Gotta be honest, sometimes you just miss weddings and the birth of children, but I'm not going to defend myself. You only missed one of those things for me. I only missed, I only missed one of them um, for you. But you were, there to, you were there to deliver my child, which <laughs> I, I appreciate. There, I was there to <laughs> deliver him. He's a wonderful, <laughs> wonderful young man now. Um, Elrond ask for forgiveness we get dwarf family dinner which was pretty funny because uh, we open up with durin's family and the two kids have those giant helmets on and like <laughs> he picks one up and great. runs him into like a light fixture <laughs> i was like I'd, I'd 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 spend time with a durin family sitcom it'd probably be worth watching <laughs> we get princess disa she's playing the peacemaker she talks a lot about singing to rocks, which is <laughs> what resonate means, I guess. I don't know. Once again, I'll have to reach out to our mining buddy. Oh, and we find out that he planted a tree in his dark rock apartment, and it's from a seedling of the great tree of Linden. And this was another one of those times where I was like, did the dwarves had a seedling from the great trees, the tree that eventually would become the white tree of Gondor? And I said, no. I said, no, you can't look it up. It does not matter. <laughs> this is a TV show, and just watch the TV show. Stay off your phone. So I did I, that. I, I don't know what the, the answer same, here is. Yeah, I admittedly had the same thought. Like, is this a thing? But, like, I didn't care. I thought it was a really cool moment, like the idea that Durin you know, hasn't seen him for 20 years, but they clearly had a good, strong friendship. And even after all this time, he's still trying to grow this tree. He still, you know, is is, is hopeful that his friend will kind of come back. And while he's not showing it here, there, there's definitely still, still love there. Sure. He says, or she says, he treats it like our third child. <laughs> and I thought to myself, I bet that tree is a lot less maintenance than two kids, but... That's neither here nor there. Elrond has this great line where he says, where there is love, it is never truly dark. How could it not grow in a house like yours? Now, see, when I heard that, I just thought about, like, all the plants in this house, in my house, are dying. So... Well... Elrond being a politician would probably be like, well, sometimes if you don't water them or give them enough sunlight, they will die, regardless of the amount of love in the house. And that is what I would say to that. And then he'd like grab his collar and be like, it's a little warm in here. This leads to Durin asking his old friend to stay. And he's like, I'm still angry, but hang out. We'll play Catan after the kids go to bed. And <laughs> I'm assuming that's what dwarves and or he's like, oh, let's go break more rocks. I don't know. <laughs> Cut to ocean exterior. Two beautiful people are stranded. <laughs> tensions are high. Am I allowed to say sexual tensions? I think I can say sexual tensions. <laughs> yeah, you can say sexual tensions. Okay. Well, they're high too. I'm not. Tensions are high, and so are sexual tensions. <laughs> 
These two are not great at communicating with each other. For two people stuck on a on a on a uh, raft that don't know whether or not they're ever going to get off the raft, they're like I don't know, talking in a little bit of circle. And I guess it's just the it's just the brand, you know. They can't just be like, <laughs> "Hey, orcs killed my family. Oh, where are you from?" Like they've got a I don't know. They don't want us to know that they're going to fall in love yet. So. <laughs> We find out that Orcs chased Halbrand out of his hometown. Uh, Galadriel like keeps asking him where she does do this funny thing, where she's and I don't know if it was like her trying to sneak the answer because he won't tell her. He won't tell her where he's from. Mm-hmm. So she's like, uh, "So uh, that necklace, uh, that necklace around your neck is that uh, is that a sign for your for your people's king?" He's like, "We don't have any king," and she's like, "All right, all right. He lives somewhere where there's no king." And and she's like trying to I don't know Sherlock Holmes it out of him, um, but he's finally like, I'm from the Southlands, and I could just see it on Galadriel's face. She's like, Oh, I was in the Northlands, so close, so close. Uh, only the opposite side of the globe from where those orcs ended up. She then very politely asks him for help. She's like, now that I know where the orcs are, when we're done here, you're going to go with me, and you're going to show me where they're at so that I can kill them. Um, By asking politely, I mean she does not ask politely. (laughs) She gives a cool little speech, though, talking about, like, you know, that she has known loss. She's lived for so long. She's she's seen more loss than this guy has. So um, I think it was was pretty cool and and powerful. And then we get kind of that storm that kind of rolls through. Forgive me. I I don't want to say there weren't like parts of this scene that I didn't enjoy, but it was also one of those moments and it's a show thing that we've talked about where it's like, hey, if you both just be out with it, like we kind of, you know, we'd be on we'd be on the same page. You both hate orcs. Boom. Friends. <laughs> <Got> like <it. laughs> um common but, ground. Yeah, common ground. But you're right. The storm then rolls in. And you know what I thought was funny? Like throughout this whole scene, I don't know if you noticed this, like Galadriel, like it seems like they had to make in the scene, they needed her to do something with her hands. So she keeps like pulling and tugging on this rope. That's like holding up a pole that I guess is integral to the, you know, structural integrity of said little raft. Uh, But I couldn't help but just keep thinking of like, Will Ferrell is playing George W. Bush, like mending his fences with a pickaxe. Yeah. Like she's just like doing something for the sake of doing something, but doesn't need to be doing it at all. Oh, hey there. You caught me mending my fence out on my ranch. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I had the same thought because ropes on a boat are, it's either attached to like a rudder or it's attached to the sail. This raft has neither. Well, it had a sail, but the sail wasn't like up. So no, I had the same thought. It was great. We cut from George W. mending his raft to Bronwyn. She has gone back to her village and she's like, hey, there's a hole in the next town over, like, no bodies, bad things have happened, we should go do something. Yeah, and this was kind of fun, like, as, like, she's walking up to this, like, bar or the village or whatever, she sees, like, or we see, you get a pan of, like, this kind of ornate-looking carved, like, sign. Um, I didn't really think much of it, but I kind of saw a random deal on Twitter that apparently... It was like a picture of an eagle that's like holding on to a, a child, and it, and that's the name of like Tolkien's favorite pub that he used to frequent a lot called the oh. Eagle and Child, and it has the same kind of insignia uh, on the pub that's I think still there in Jolly Old London Town. Okay, so I thought that was kind of a neat little uh, nod. Yeah, I did. I did notice they like held uh, on a picture of an eagle seemingly stealing a child, and I was like, oh okay, <laughs> um, but I didn't make the connection. That's very cool. That's very cool. I did like how the publican was like, listen, the ground around here has always been finicky. It's been killing people for years, you know. Like, this village is re- real casual about people being swallowed up by the earth. Um, I don't know. He's like, ah, you know, you know, the, you know, it's worse than the ground dragging people under and killing them. People talking about it. So let's not talk about it. Um, Listen, this town has been dealing with graboids and tremors for just a super long time. So they're they're used to uh, underground worm monsters. Yep. Yep. Underground things have been something I've been thinking about for a long, long time. Ever since Tremors (laughs) 1, 2, 3, and... (laughs) 4, 5, and 6. Another project. 7, 8, 9. 
This There's is a lot of those movies. This is where the show turns into like a horror thriller for about I don't know ten minutes, fifteen minutes, and I got to be honest, it was fun. It was like it was I like a it. cool, <laughs> cool change of pace. We start with um, Theo being upset with the mice and just attacking the floorboards. Listen, we've talked about it last episode. Those cave mice, sir, they mean business. Oh, those ice, yeah, those <laughs> troll mice, those ice troll mice. That's right. Aaron Deal is like going through uh, a rat tunnel like he's John Rambo in First Blood. It's funny you thought John Rambo. I thought John McClane in Die Hard. Well, I recently watched uh, First Blood, and so there is a scene where he's going through a tunnel with water. And he literally turns and there's a bunch of rats on his back. And I was like, all right, that's what I was thinking about here. I was also thinking to myself, I would never be down there. Not in a million years. Oh, no, no, no. No, no, Absolutely no. claustrophobic. Not going to happen. He goes through some water. He pops up and then he leans back. And this is Aaron Deal, not John Rambo or John McClane. None of the Johns. This is Aaron <laughs> Deal. And he's leaned against these vines. And... This is one of those scenes where they put it in the trailer, and it would be like mm-hmm. if you waited for the show, it would be such a cool like moment, like jump scare almost. But since I'd seen it in the trailer, I was like, oh, I know what's going to happen here. And it's the two hands that like grab him and pull him in, which is the last time we'll see him in the show, I would assume, because we don't see him for the rest of the episode. And <laughs> I think um, he's gone. Goodbye, Aaron Deere. It was nice knowing you. Yeah, I think they kind of played on tropes a little bit with, like, the way it kind of, just like with the stranger falling down the hill where, like, the camera was, like, you kind of knew that was going to happen. I I feel like I kind of knew this was going to happen even without seeing the trailer of him, like, slowly kind of leaning against these vines and then looking at the water. Like, usually the the scare doesn't come from where you think it's going to. Sure. They were kind of playing on some of the horror element tropes, which I dug. It was fun. Yeah, no, I enjoyed I enjoyed this whole sequence. Don't get me wrong. I just wish they hadn't have shown it in the trailer. Bronwyn returns to the house, her home. A house is not always a home, but sometimes it is. If there's love in it, where plants are blooming and not dying. That's a little bit of poetry uh, that I think Tolkien wrote. Um, Theo is hiding in the dumbwaiter. We get... She hides in a, in a cupboard... And we get that shot of the person in the closet looking through the slit while hiding and they're breathing. And then we get their eye through the slit, which may or may not be crying. (laughs) Once again, a lot of horror stuff here. I was in for it. I enjoyed it. Um, And then I'm assuming it's an orc in a uh, skull appears. Uh, Did you take it as an orc or did you take it as something else? Yeah, my my thought is this is just like a evolution of an orc that like lives underground kind of thing like pops up every so often but like very mole-like and like non-teeth and his eyes were like all kind of glossy and everything but i thought it was super cool like yeah he was kind of wearing like armor with that skull but once that kind of like dropped off during this um inevitable fight sequence really really love that that makeup and design they did for that character yeah it looked cool Reminded me a little, this whole sequence reminded me a little bit of Pan's Labyrinth, if you've ever seen that mm. film. Um, yeah. Theo gets clawed. Uh, the orc, as orc should, gets stabbed a couple of times. It gets <laughs> hung for a little while. Um, and then there's almost like this Evil Dead quick cut. I don't know if you had the same, <laughs> yeah. but it like, all of a sudden we quick cut. Broen slams a severed head down. And she's like, if any of you want to live. And I was like, oh, this is great. Bro, bro, I don't even know if I'm saying her name right. She's awesome. Yeah. Oh, that was really, really cool. Like, she has the proof to say, like, hey, like, all you guys that weren't taking me seriously, take me seriously. Get out of sure, this town. Sure. Exterior, Raft, Galadriel, and Halbrand surviving the perfect storm. I was going to read a line from the perfect storm, which I recently watched. <laughs> Um, but I'm not going to. They survive. Well, they're kind of surviving the perfect storm. And then Galadriel gets tossed in the water from lightning. And Halbrand dives in. What? As one does. As one does. The lightning strike. It's got all that force to push you away. Yep. It was a force push from lightning. (laughs) Halbrand dives in. And he saves her by cutting that dagger 
uh, away from the rope. And uh, once again, if they're not selling this dagger right now, they're missing out <laughs> on every kid should own this dagger. That's all. That's all yeah, I have to this say. This is like this is part of the infomercial. Need to cut tomatoes? Dagger. Need to cut yourself while you're getting ready to drown? Dagger. Need to catch lightning? Dagger. I do have a question about cutting yourself while you're drowning. Um, I don't. I don't. I don't know. You mean cut the cut rope? Free. Oh, okay. Right. Right. While you're right. Drowning. Excuse well, me. Excuse yeah. Me. That's that's got to be the pitch meeting. Right. This is the pitch meeting for the no ro- no bad ideas. Break. No bad ideas. <laughs> At the end, you just have to do that voice. That's like this dagger is not intended to be used to save you from drowning, and it's got to go through all that <laughs> stuff really quickly. We cut to the stranger and Nori. Pulling fireflies out of their lantern, and I don't know. Has anyone ever gone wrong with doing a, a firefly scene, you know, in any TV show? <laughs> I don't know. They're always I cool. Know. I don't know. But you know who does talk to flying <laughs> bugs? Gandalf. <laughs> oh, that's right. He catches that moth, and then he sends it to go mm-hmm. get the, the king of eagles. Mm-hmm. Yep. Just saying. All right, so you're officially on the Gandalf train. The stranger is Gandalf. Gotta be, right? If you want to bring in like a more broader audience, I feel like bringing in a major character from the movies is the right play. Okay, okay. I didn't know this show had an issue with a broader audience. It feels like everyone's watching this show. <laughs> Everybody wants that free shipping. Everyone wants that free, free shipping. In two days, the flying fireflies form a constellation. It's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, the stranger tells them how to do it, and Nori's like, I know what he wants. He wants us to help him find those stars. And then the fireflies die, and I took that as a bad sign. Tom, was uh, the fireflies <laughs> dying? Was that a good sign or a bad sign? It didn't seem great. Um, didn't, didn't seem great for the fireflies. Like it's a kamikaze mission for these fireflies. Hey, go up here so at our our very uh, specific perspective, we can make out this constellation, and then just go ahead and uh, dim your lights. Yeah, the spatial awareness of those fireflies. I mean, they talk, <laughs> did they talk before? They're like, hey, you go left. I couldn't take 12 people and be like, all right, we're going to form a constellation <laughs> without like drawing on a piece of paper. Those fireflies, super smart. Are fireflies like bees where if they light up right after they light up, they light up once and then they die? Um, mm, and I'm not, uh, I don't mean like when bees sting people. I mean when bees literally light up. <laughs> I don't know. Check us out on our other podcast, Fireflies and You. <laughs> fireflies and You. And then the <laughs> spinoff podcast, Bees <laughs> Lighting Up. Durin and his father, I, I'm sure we're supposed to know his father's name. He's the king of the dwarves. King Dwarf, I don't know. I didn't write down his father's name, so I don't remember. I'm going to say it's like Boren. If his name's Durin, his dad's name's probably Boren. Um, <laughs> we find out that the dwarves are hiding something. Uh, we know this because they open a chest and they both stare into, I guess, a flashlight that is inside the chest. <laughs> This very much reminded me of like Pulp Fiction, where like they open up the briefcase and they get this gold light that just shines on them. You never know what's actually there, but uh, it just kind of like teases the audience. The is MacGuffin, this, I, mean, I believe, I, is the term, right? Yeah. <laughs> Do you have any idea? Is this from Silly Marlin? Anything about what these dwarves uncover? I know from the Hobbit movies, they find some like mystical jewel that ultimately like the dragon kind of keeps and hides. It's something like sacred to the dwarves. Do you know any of this? I mean, they might have a a uh, Silmarillion or a Silmarillius. I don't know what the singular and what the plural is, and which one's a book and which one's not. I have no idea what they're. <laughs> Once again, I'm 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 done trying to really dive deep because uh, when you dive too deep, that's when the Balrogs come and smite <laughs> everyone. So I don't know so what's the in the current, chest. Current theory then is it's just like a headlamp. It's a really fancy headlamp. Yes. My understanding is they discovered electricity, which is really going to change <laughs> everything about this world. And that's what led to, oh, why am I forgetting the animated film that was so good where magic leaves the world because they discover like electricity? Onward. Onward. That's like the beginning of Onward. Oh, is they're like, okay. oh, electricity is <laughs> easier than magic. Let's just do this. So that's where this world's going. We cut from the Pulp Fiction scene to Theo in his room. 
His mom interrupts him as his blood is being pulled into a flaming sword, which seems to make the flaming sword like grow longer and build upon itself. And there is nothing worse as a teenager than your mom interrupting your evil blood rituals that are making flaming swords grow. I felt bad for Theo. Hopefully he locked his bedroom door. Yeah, I feel like there's some innuendo going on here that we're not gonna we're not gonna tug on that string. Pun nope, intended. we're not gonna touch it. We're not gonna touch it with a flaming sword. I did not understand what was happening here. I don't. I jokingly said that Theo was probably the son of Sauron. Now, the more I think about it, I'm like, uh, maybe he is, or maybe anyone's blood makes the sword grow in flame. What is? What is Sauron? Is Sauron just like a mythical creature? Is he an orc? Like, what was Morgoth? No, he's not an orc. So um, they have names that I can't pronounce. But Morgoth was, you know, initially... So, like, think of there's, like, one main creator god. And then he Mm -hmm. created, essentially, a group of, like, demigods. Morgoth was part of that first group of demigods. And then I would put... Sauron in the like to dumb it down I would Semi-demigod? say he's like a like an angel almost that like okay. would work for that demigod that's that's kind of how I think about it in my brain so okay. he is okay. a immortal being that like can take physical form or not um and I think what we're seeing here is Maybe Sauron, like, I don't know, embedded himself into, like, seven unique items. Um, One happening to be the scar that's on Theo's forehead um, and this flaming sword. Um, So that's, I'm just pulling that out of nowhere. I don't don't know. Just just to be clear, are you saying we have a Horcrux situation? I'm not allowed to say that word, but you can say that word. Yes, that's 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 what I would call them. Yes. We cut like from Theo being super happy following his mom as they leave the village to uh, Galadria and Halbrand just a little sleepy sleepy on the raft and someone rolls <laughs> up and stares down at them and we cut to credits. Mm-hmm. And... The big mysteries that I'm interested in, Tom. I'm interested to know who the stranger is, whether or not he... Well, here's the thing. Like, I get what you're saying. He should be someone important, but he may just be someone they made up for the show because they can Mm -hmm. do that with this show. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm interested to see uh, what happens on that raft, quite frankly. I'm not ready for them to be picked (laughs) up by a boat, if I can be perfectly honest. Uh, I'd like to see what happens when two people... That should be a reality TV show. Let's throw two people on a raft in the middle of the ocean, see whether or not they survive. It's like alone, but (laughs) with two people. So whatever it is when you're not alone with a person. I don't know. Naked and afraid. Uh, Well, they don't have to be naked or afraid. They could just be together adrift. That's what I would call it. (laughs) Together adrift, a reality show. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, most of the people don't make it back to shore. Um, I'm interested in that. The dwarf glowing box? I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't have any idea. Am I interested? Sure. Uh, I'm more I think interested. going into this series... Go ahead. Uh, I say going into this series, I don't know if I cared as much about the dwarf stuff because that was so heavy and like the Hobbit movies and like we had talked about. You hadn't seen all of them. I watched them all, but... It just wasn't to me like the same, like all the dwarf storylines. So I wasn't thrilled to get too far into that. But I love the introduction of Durin and Disa, and like I want, I want more of those characters. And I like the dichotomy that he has with uh, with Elrond too. Yeah, no, that'll be fun to watch. I appreciate that they're bringing some level of intrigue to what secret maybe he's got a little mini balrog in that box he's like oh i, I caught this guy <laughs> baby balrog. See, he's all covered in flame if you feed him blood he grows bigger and taller and he's it's like, like baby group baby i'm unfamiliar with that <laughs> reference um 
I'm interested to see where they go with this. Once again, it's just it's well done. It's well shot. Um, I know there are people out there that don't like it. I could care less. I'm enjoying it. <laughs> and I, I am kind of enjoying just turning my brain off and not trying to figure out what's real and what's not. Um, and to be mm-hmm. perfectly honest, it saved me from having to um, frantically try and read The Silmarillion. So um, I, <laughs> I'm grateful. I'm grateful for that. <laughs> not that it's not good. Not that there aren't parts of The Silmarillion I really enjoy. But there are other parts where uh, it's dense. Real, real dense. Yes. Yeah. I know. It's fun. Like we talked about, like, this is two friends talking through a show that we enjoy. We know some of the lore. We don't know all of it. Um, if you want that, like, the internet's pretty vast. There's probably some other pods that do, like, the super deep dives if you want that content. I've been enjoying just being a fan of, you know, the nerddom that is, like, online and on Twitter and, and Instagram. Um, just seeing people post about some of that stuff, like some of the facts I brought here is just from, from scrolling and, and seeing some of the, the people do some deep dives. So it's fun. And there's a fun community around this show and this world. So, um, you know, feel free to join us. We're on uh, Twitter and Instagram. You find us Instagram at team bench podcast. And then on Twitter at team binge, uh, we always rub you guys' uh, participation. If you guys have theories or thoughts about the show, uh, please let us know. You can email us at teambingepodcast at gmail.com. Uh, and like always, man, I'm 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 excited for this show, and I'm excited to see where where it takes us. I am too. Now, Tom, the next episode, they are dropping one a week, correct? They opened with two, but for now on, it's mm-hmm. one a week. Correct, yep. Wonderful. I'm glad I clarified that <laughs> so that people listening to this eight years from now will know where we're at. <laughs> but we'll be back next week to talk about ex- episode three. Um, that will be in the year 2032. <laughs> See what I did there? I, I made it sure that this was timeless. Mm, Unless clever. it's 2033. <laughs> Crap. All right. I've been Julian. And I've been Tom. We'll see you next time.